0: Happy Sunday Tampa Bay we're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on WFLA News. I'm Andrew Duncan joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage like we are every Sunday at 10 talking about all things Tampa Bay real estate. And it sounds like um you know we we we've, we've had a re- reasonably safe uh, hurricane season um but but uh, obviously we just had a close call and uh, believe that uh, it, it's the season for it, Mike. It, it wreaks havoc on real estate closings, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it sure does. I just saw a graphic earlier this week that the next, uh, you know, three or four weeks is the, you know, historically is the peak time when we get the most storms um, in our area. So um, it's certainly a, a good topic to to talk about today.
0: Yeah, and if you're buying or selling a home during this time, it really a really important thing to understand is that. Your uh, closing is, is has a high risk of delay or problems or challenges from either the insurance company or the lender, right? Mike, you guys will sometimes say, hey, we're going to slow up on funding or, hey, there's an issue with insurance or, hey, there's a storm out on the horizon. It's, it's a common thing for real estate closings, whether you're the buyer or the seller, to get delayed during this time of uh, time of the year.
1: Yeah, we, I mean, we really go off of two, two different items. One is we have to have bound insurance, so insurance in place and effective. And Usually that's the first to go when a storm is coming is the insurance companies no longer will issue the insurance. So we have to have that. And then two, we will slow things up as if FEMA comes in after a storm and declares an area. and They usually do it county by county. Um, they can, you know, um, declare it a disaster area. And if that happens where it's a disaster area, then we would require a reinspection.
0: Yeah. And I think that that is, you know, so fortunately, you know, that that hasn't been the case, you know, recently and and right. uh, certainly could be in the future. But I think one thing that that people have to understand is that it it could cause problems, you know, and that that is the key to it. You know, and I always tell people when it comes to a closing date, because of all the contingencies and the parties involved and the lenders and the title companies, the closing date is a goal. Um, be prepared for delays. And there are plenty of reasons the contract allows for delays. One of those is forced mihure. in the state of Florida. We have a, a clause in the contract that allows real estate closing to be delayed because of, um, you know, acts of, of mother nature you know natural right. disaster type things so so there is provisional language in most real estate contracts that says and and dictates the timelines on how that delay can can occur and you know how damages are handled and and different types of things so it's important if you are buying or selling to understand that because you could be you know prepared for a set date in stone and read that contract and and let's face it uh most buyers, most sellers, and unfortunately most real estate agents don't read the contracts. So when something right. like this happens, they seem clueless. Well, the closing date is this. Well, did you read, you know, the additional terms on line, you know, seven of page four? And, you know, did you did you do you know what the terms are the contract are when a natural disaster occurs? So it it's just It's something that in Florida this season is the most problematic when it comes to delays and obstacles for for Mother Nature, and those storms can can cause it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, if there's a storm out in the Gulf that's named, you're not getting insurance. You know, if you haven't gotten it already, you're not going to. So your closing is going to get delayed. And like Mike said, if there's one that's considered a disaster area, they could come back through and require re-inspections
1: right absolutely and it's been a while it's been a couple of years since we've had that but but it will happen and it doesn't need to just be a hurricane for that to happen some major flooding it can happen it's happened in other areas of the country this year where they've had bad flooding or different areas it's just if FEMA comes in and and, and declares the area a disaster area we require a reinspection just to make sure that nothing has changed with the property
0: and look, we know that in Florida, hurricanes and flooding are, are a big deal, and it's it's why consumers, you know, choose location or make adjustments to what they want to buy or buy a home that has more features or safety things. Realtor.com uh, did a recent poll about yeah. extreme weather and homeowners insurance, and some key highlights here: natural disasters that homeowners are most are most um, worried about are tornadoes uh severe winter storms and cold weather mike i don't think those people were from florida do you
1: Nope, nope. no we don't have to worry about that one we we escape on that one
0: yeah the next next ones on the list though are um you know floods and hurricanes uh you know th- those are the things that people are concerned about if you pulled only people in florida those two would be um you know the highest up on the list so all that said, only 52% of American homeowners took natural disasters into account when choosing the location of their current home. In Florida, you get a lot of people that will say, "Oh, I want to be a little inland, or I want to be away from the water, or I want to be away from, um, you know, a low-lying area, you know, an area that's more prone to flooding." Um, so it's it's interesting. Only, I mean, half of homeowners, uh, you know, chose that. I think that number would probably be higher here, and it would probably be higher for people moving from out of the area. Um, you know, for example. People moving from Canada might might be more likely to move inland because they they've you know, they don't see the sunshine right. and rainbows every day on the news in Canada. Or People moving from up north. Um, so so again, it depends if you're talking about local moves and people that are used to a couple, two or three days out of the year. You have some obstacles when it comes to storms for the most part, again, assuming we don't have a direct major hit, which we haven't um, in Tampa Bay for, for quite some time. Um, just over half, 56% of homeowners knew what to look for in their homeowner's insurance policy with buying their home. 15% admitted they had no clue and nearly a third said they thought they knew what to look for. So that brings me to my next topic about insurance. Um, we've, we've obviously discussed this on, on, uh, the radio before we insurethebay.com, the our homeowners insurance partner, uh, at we insure again. That is WeInsureTheBay.com. dot com. You can check them out for all of your insurance needs, your homeowners insurance questions. So, so more or less, nearly half of all homebuyers are are kind of clueless on insurance because when people say they think they know something, they probably don't, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They and and there's lots of times there's little nuances or caveats that are in the insurance. So take the time to have the discussion. Um, with the the great folks at we insure the bay and make sure you truly understand what is actually covered and what isn't covered um, to to be on there because there is a lot of people that make a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, there there was an article this week that talks about you know most people or a lot of people maybe not so much in Florida but think home insurance covers flooding and most right. of the time it doesn't right. And it, it, sometimes it doesn't insurance.
0: cover it. Sometimes it doesn't cover wind and tornadoes. Sometimes Correct. it doesn't cover certain hurricane aspects. It's there's there are. Um, endorsements on policies that determine what you can cover. Some of those things are optional. You know used to have a uh, single coverage was 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 just standard and understood. Now it's optional with a lot of carriers. so so the reality is that sometimes you might think that something is covered by your insurance, but if you don't ask, it could be an exception on your policy. It could be something that you have to get through flood insurance. So a lot of people just make assumptions and they don't ask. And unfortunately, there are a lot of insurance agencies that will go out there and write this lowest dollar policy, lowest, dollar amount policy meaning that it costs the consumer the le- the least hoping to win the business and having the customer not pay attention to the details and after the fact that customer buys the cheap policy not realizing that it was really the same policy that another carrier quoted them it just had better coverage um, yep. and, and that was the thing, you know, so so cheaper isn't always better. There are plenty of people that, that get the cheap insurance. And then uh, when a claim happens, realize that, oh, I you didn't have that endorsement on your policy. You don't have that coverage. So insurance, when you're comparing it from one agency or one carrier to another, um, isn't always the same. Uh, but there are plenty of times where it is. And it's simply they're just giving you less coverage. And you look at it and say, oh, well, I can get insurance from these people for 900. And from these people, it's 1200. The 1200 may be a better policy with the same carrier simply with more coverage that's safer for you and better for you than the cheap policy that if you have a claim you could end up being declined because it didn't have the proper endorsements
1: yeah for sure and on flood insurance you know one of the things a lot of people rely on fema to you know say hey am i a flood zone or not and you know core logic has come out and reported on this that more than 20 percent of all the flood insurance claims actually happen in non-flood zones yeah so we've talked about this a lot on the show and for if you're not in a flood zone, doesn't mean you shouldn't get flood insurance. Lots of times it's really inexpensive to get good solid coverage and protect yourself. And more than one out of five claims come from areas that aren't considered a FEMA flood zone.
0: And and here's the thing, here's all that, that is calculated into a FEMA flood zone, it's elevation. Right. Um, I mean, the majority of it's the elevation. There are plenty of areas. I mean, you can look at South Tampa, for example. There are areas that are elevated nicely, but they have terrible drainage and they flood and and then those people have more flood claims even though they're not in a flood zone and their home floods even though they're not in a flood zone so it, it you know there there's no it's not like car insurance where premiums are determined by so many different factors like you know, you know, with flood insurance, it's simply the elevation. It's a very non-mathematic, non-scientific way, in my opinion, to determine what the coverage should be. And it, it wreaks havoc for some people because they think, oh, it's not required. And their area may flood way more than an area that's considered a FEMA flood zone, just based on the elevation, simply from the infrastructure, simply from how the homes were built. Um, You know, they could be on a higher or lower plane on a particular street. So again, Uh, don't just rely on FEMA telling you, you know, I'm just a firm believer not to rely on the government for much when it comes to, um, you know, my insurance, you know, I I would encourage you to do your own due diligence, do your own research, because I've seen way too many people run into these challenges. So it isn't just about the, um, you know, it's not just about the elevation in terms of your actual risk. It's all about the elevation in terms of what FEMA has determined your risk is. Uh, So if you want to trust that good, good luck to you.
1: Yeah. And in, in the Tampa Bay area, we have a lot of low lying areas that fall victim to to what you're talking about. And it isn't, you know, just near the Gulf, right? Gulf of Mexico, where it's going to be. But, you know, rivers and streams and a lot of those areas and low lying areas end up causing more damage than than the Gulf would ever cause. You know, that, that's going to be out there. So you really got to pay attention and, and know that information and just, you know, know the information and protect yourself, Um, you know, from from the natural disaster if it should happen.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And like I said, hit hit up weinsuredthebay.com to get your flood insurance quote. When there's not a named storm or get your insurance quote for anything, but when named storms are out there, it's going to be hard to bind an insurance and you're not going to be able to get flood insurance and it's why all the way leading up to hurricane and flood season, we're always telling people, "Hey, go get it now. You know, this yes. is the time. You know, this is the time when you should um, you know, when you should uh, get your coverage because once hurricane season hits, it's, it's going to be problematic and challenging. You're going to have a hard time doing it and way too many people don't take advantage of it. And then when the storms start showing up, they say, oh, now's the time. And then they can't get it. A storm comes and they have damage. So. Um, You know, real a uh, real problem. So, well, hey, could identity theft keep you from buying a house? That's what we're going to talk about after the break. 14.4 million adults are victims of identity theft. There's all kinds of levels of identity theft. There's small, there's large. We're going to talk about that because, Mike, it it can wreak havoc on your credit. It can cause problems sure. with you buying. Um, it can cause problems with you selling, liens on your house, all, all kinds of things that that trickle into real estate. And uh, we think it's important to give you some tips to, to avoid it, but also uh, what to do when it occurs to you, and we'll talk more about that after a quick break here on the Dunkin' Duo Show. So we're back here on the Dunkin' Duo Show. Could identity theft keep you from buying a house? Imagine you finally found your house and you find out you can't get a loan because someone has stolen your identity and ran up credit card debt or done something. Uh, 14.4 million adults are victims of identity theft. It's on the rise. Uh, let's face it, there's a lot of people that have suffered through the pandemic um, that are not working. Um, and and they've they've had to find ways to make ends meet. So what do they do? They, they start stealing personal information, such as your social security number. Mike, what are some examples of things you've seen happen when people have this occur to them? Some, you know, false charges. What, what are other things that yeah, have so, on it?
1: Right. So we always, when, when we take a look at somebody's credit, we review it with them and go over the different accounts on there. And that's probably the number one thing is, you know, there's all of a sudden open accounts that they didn't realize happened. Um, or they didn't know anything about. And that's usually our first trigger that, that can be on there is that there is debts or accounts that have been opened up in their name and in, in, in whatnot. And that's probably the biggest thing that we see um, also is most often. also, too, you'll see a lot of different inquiries. So when, when um, we take a look at a credit report, it shows how many times you've, you've had your credit looked at over the past 120 days. And that's usually a crazy number that, that are added on there. Because whoever has stolen your identity is looking to make their quick buck and identify or, you know, go out and get as much credit in your name before you kind of figure it out on that's on there. So I would say those are the top two things that that we do see, you know, less rare or less often, I guess, more rare that you do see. We've seen things where, you know, people do things with deeds of homes, you know, and and straw buyers and things like that that have happened in in Florida and you read about in the news a lot of times where. People literally have stolen the identity and basically stolen the, the ownership right of the deed of your home um, and, and through identity, you know, just through identity theft and getting access to your information. So it, it's important that you pay attention to it. It does happen. Um, and so many people always say, hey, well, I hear about it. I read about it. I talk about it, but it'll never happen to me. And then we talk to these people and they say, I always said it would never happen to me, but now it's happening to me. Um. So you yeah. really do got to pay attention to it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think again, I've seen it happen. Um, you know, I've seen it happen so many times. You know, with people getting you know close to the closing table, maybe something happening during closing, right? Uh, the process leading up to it could, it can impact your. You know, you the the ways you can prevent it. Um, you yes. know, obviously paying attention to your your credit report you right. know, uh, paying attention to your credit card statements. You know, sometimes yes. these, these scammers will put small charges on there. You may scroll through your thing and not think about, you know, is that Amazon $9 charge me or was it right. a scam? You know, they put small charges through before they hit you with the big one. So any outstanding debts in your name could make it a problem. Uh, you know, it can, it can cause problems for title insurance, your debt to income ratio, the you know, a, a whole variety of things. How can you prevent it though? Again, reviewing your credit. Uh, card statements, uh, reviewing your annual credit report, and then disputing things, spotting any errors or suspicious activity. Um, sig- there's a 60 day window for suspicious activities during which institutions may restore it. Um, at least initially you can challenge things and sometimes, you know, when um, there's fraud detection programs, there are procre- there are programs like, um, you know, LifeLock for example, where you get identity theft protection. Um, right. But, but, but nonetheless, There's so many data breaches every day. I mean, I get an email every day, it seems like, from somebody telling me to change my password, and there's a a data breach. There's this or there's that. So, you know, you can prevent it if you're staying on top of your stuff and paying attention to your credit reports and your, uh, you know, the people that bill you and require you to pay the money.
1: Yeah. And one one piece of advice I give to people, and a lot of people don't talk about this, but if you're somebody, I, I would try and use a credit card versus a debit card when possible. In your transactions, or if you don't have credit cards or you don't want them, then don't keep a lot of money in your checking account that you have tied to your debit card. Because if that does get breached and it goes taken, hard. They, can, they can drain your bank account. And before you even know it, you know, your money's gone. And, yep. and recovering it can take time. Whereas if it is on a credit card or there's a small amount of money in there, you can challenge it. They can freeze the accounts, and at least they haven't taken as much money from you. Um, you know there and you can continue to live while you, you figure out and, and recover from the, the theft that has happened to you um and get it done. So I, I recommend to people if they can use a credit card or if they're going to use a debit card, don't keep all of their money in that checking account because if it does get breached, That's when it really, really can get painful for people. Yeah, you
0: can keep a large amount in another account, and then you can move it back and forth within the same bank. So, Uh, you know, another thing to do that nowadays, another thing that's happening a lot, you know, you and you've got to, you know, if it happens to you, you've got to contact your local police. You got to file a report of the Federal Trade Commission. You got to, you know, let the creditors know. And then you've got to gather evidence to prove. Uh, a lot of times they can prove it from IP addresses if the if the transactions or if, yes. you know we're, were on the internet or from tracking mechanisms or uh, cameras at retailers. Um, another big one though is social security identity theft, uh, tax yes. you know taxes, financial identity theft, medical identity theft. Again, if you keep good records, it'll make it easier for you to uh, challenge these things. But but keeping those good records is a really important thing. I've learned that not a lot of people do. You know, if you've ever, I was watching the movie Dodgeball the other day. Do you remember the movie Dodgeball? Yeah, Mike I, I With Vince, with Vince Vaughn, and he gets, yeah. he's, he's having this, he's in foreclosure, and his banker. He ends up dating in the in the movie, but the banker comes over and he's like, "Oh yeah, let me show you my records. It's my keeper's closet." He opens up the closet. I mean, that's what <laughs> I think a lot of Americans have. They have a keeper right. closet. They just throw their receipts and their statements and all that in there, and they, you know, they don't realize it. But if you keep copious detailed records and notes, you're in a much better position should something happen like this to you. So again, keep those records. Pay attention to your credit reports, pay attention to your credit card statements. Dispute charges aren't real. Um, and and uh, you know, you can have I, you know, you can certainly have um some some help from agencies and programs that protect you. Uh, but but I think the biggest and most important thing is just really paying attention and then addressing things as they happen. So yes. we're gonna be back. First time home buyers, pay attention. We've got yes. the things that first-time homeowners get wrong. How to avoid those big mistakes, whether this is for you or whether this is from a, for a friend or family member. Tune in after the break. We're going to tell you what homeowners, first-time homeowners, get wrong after a quick break here on the Dunkin' Duo Show. We're back here on the Dunkin' Duo Show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. I'm Andrew Duncan, joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage. When we aren't on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, pretty much every social out there. TikTok, giving away some cool uh, Tampa Bay Lightning swag. We've got some t-shirts coming, some co-branded t-shirts between the Duncan Duo and the Lightning. We'll be giving some away on social media, and we'll certainly be giving a lot of them to past clients like we've done in the past. Seven things all first-time homeowners get wrong, though, and how to avoid the big mistakes. Uh, pr- number one on the list, calling a repair person with the wrong specialty. So, uh, for example, let's say you have a plumber working on your electrical outlets. Probably not a good idea, right, Mike?
1: absolutely not. And you see this all the time where they a lot of the the tradesmen out there they advertise they can do all of this stuff but you know it's like 2% of the they do is electric and 98% is plumbing. Well, you don't want that guy working on on your electric and and, and you see that a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think that um you know blindly hiring contractors number 2 on the list it, it's it's yes. kind of grouped in that same categories a friend will say, "Hey, call this guy or call that guy." Which hey, look, recommendations from friends are great. Um, but I would always, you know, verify licensure, verify. Are they actual contractor? Do they, do they have a legitimate business? Can you look at the reviews online? Ask for recommendations, but make sure the people that you're working with come highly recommended by someone you trust, sometimes by multiple people you trust and that have uh, a great list of reviews. If they don't have that, um, you know, you could be up against a problem. So you don't want to blindly hire people. Um, not budgeting for new expenses, right, Mike? Doesn't that get a lot of first-time home buyers in trouble when they're not prepared okay. for the expenses yeah, that come along this, with homeownership?
1: Yeah, this may be the biggest one, right? Especially they're buying homes, maybe they're taxed on how much money they've they've spent, and and so they don't save enough for new expenses. And you know, especially we've talked about this in the past. If you're buying an older home versus buying a newer home or a new build, but nonetheless, regardless of your home, you got to set aside and budget for things that are going to happen because they do happen. Um you may not know what the day you move in but something is bound to happen and you should be continually having that rainy day fund um for things that, that that go out and so we hear about it this time of year somebody's air condition goes out in August and in, in, in Florida right or in
0: Tampa Bay Yeah
1: you, you don't have a choice like you have to get that fixed and if you don't have the the funds or you end up having to finance more money or whatever it can really be a big pain in the neck and so you want to plan for those types of things because things do happen, unfortunately.
0: And it's why a lot of mortgage lenders are really, um, you know, focused on confirming reserves. They want to make sure that a home buyer has enough money for things to pop right. up so a home doesn't end up in foreclosure.
1: Absolutely,
0: uh, 100%. So ignoring routine maintenance is another one. Look, if, you, if you're if you not replacing your AC filter, if you're not, um, you know, maintaining the lawn, you know, spraying off mold, Um, you know, your home is essentially a collection of assets and you've got to maintain those things and use preventive maintenance for it to keep operating efficiently or which saves you money in the long run, but or those those repair costs can add up. um, And you when you ignore the routine maintenance and it turns into uh, large cost maintenance. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was one of those people way back when I was first a homeowner in, in my 20s where I thought they were just trying to get me to buy more air conditioner filters, right? That, you know, I know it says it's good for 90 days, but I can probably get six months or nine months out of it. And I and I didn't do a good job with it. And the reality is, in the long run, that ends up costing me more money because my air conditioner has to run that much more um, and that much harder to be able to cool down and everything else. And while I thought I, you know, I was stepping over the uh, proverbial five to pick up a one type thing. And so m- making sure you get good maintenance is going to get the most out of of your home and make sure nothing major does happen um, because doing something as simple as not changing your air conditional filter can be turned into a very large repair.
0: Another one, making home improvements too soon. Far too many people go in and they want to change everything in the house. And then when they get in there and after they've changed it and they start living there, they realize they didn't really need to change certain things or they like certain things better than they thought they would. Um, you also, once you've lived in it a little longer, you've saved a little bit of money. So you're not spending, you know, the the immediate reserves that you have that you make a home improvement, you know, to the home and then your AC goes out, but you don't have money for it because you spent money right. on your new carpet, you know, so right. you're sweating. Boy, you got that new shiny new carpet, but you're sweating to death in the summer. So hold off uh, for a few months. on making home improvements too soon unless you're in a really good financial place. A lot of times, first-time home buyers are not able to do that. The next one on the list is not winterizing your home. Mike, do we really need to talk about that one? No, uh, I, don't I don't think so. That, I think we skip never, that one. Uh,
1: never going to happen in Florida, so we get we only need six on our list. Yeah,
0: assuming you and your partner are on the same page. Oh boy! Oh my goodness! I, yeah. I, I'm I'm going to do my best not to give <laughs> uh, marriage counseling advice here because I don't think I have any credibility there. But uh, don't make decisions without discussion when it comes to um you know things you're going to make and do in the home um sometimes you think that your your decor and taste is going to blend uh and then you you know you realize that that's not going to be the case sometimes you want something a different way than they do and you do something without talking it through and then it causes problems and then they do something that incurs expense because they want to put their touches on the house so you you really do uh you know home ownership with someone Ah, uh, for the first time, puts a new twist on the relationship. You're you're not just living alone anymore. It's a it's a time when a lot of first time home buyers are merging together with a significant right. other, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, um, you know, life partner, all those things, and and you've got to be able to discuss um, the decisions that you're going to make, uh, and don't assume you're both on the same page when it comes to, um, you know, the home. Because I mean, th- th- it's funny because I've heard so many couples have challenges because they they're going to move into a new home and they think that's going to solve the problems with their communication and it's probably going to make it worse
1: yeah that's uh it can be a challenging time for sure and so you got to communicate and and talk through you know what do you like and you know uh i hate to say it uh for out there but you got to compromise right and lots of times we don't want to compromise but maybe you'll give in on the bathroom to get what you want in the in the family room or whatever may be the case but um yeah, you got to make sure you do communicate and don't just make all the decisions by yourself, because that uh, certainly can be a recipe for uh, having to redo everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So, again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News. Um, we're here every Sunday at 10. Uh, when we're not on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Um, so it looks like home price growth is slowing down nationally a little bit. Not really that much in Florida it's uh, it's escalated a little bit. Um, but, but from what I'm seeing in the last few weeks, Mike, and, and again, I, I, it, this could just be an anomaly in my business, but, but I feel like I'm starting to see more listings coming on the market. Like we could see, uh, not obviously a, a shift in the market. Cause one month doesn't make a shift about six months. You need about six months of this consistency, but I feel like there's a lot of home sellers that have now finally come up against maybe now is the time. Maybe, uh, you know, may, maybe now peak. I don't think it is, but, but again, that's what they're thinking, or they want to avoid the potential tax consequences that could come next year. Um, but, but I'm really feeling like a surge in the number of homes coming on the market. I think that, uh, you know, when you look at the data, if that is the case, you know, and, and some of this could be the eviction moratorium, people selling homes that they don't want to re-rent because of how many problems they had before the tenant finally moved out. It could also be related to builders catching up. But I feel like there's more homes, you know, retail as well as new construction hitting the market at a time when buyer demand is still at, at you know, at the highest level. So I, I'm I'm hopeful that that shows that we're going to, you know, really close the year strong, not just in my business, but in the market, because the market has really needed listings for a long time.
1: Yeah, it sure has. And, and, and that would be welcome news. And I hope um, I hope you're you know your inkling there it does come true and what you're seeing is is come on um and there is a lot more homes for sale but like we've talked in the past too it would have to be so many fold over hopefully it's three four times as much as we've seen and we still wouldn't be in a balanced market and actually it would be good for the marketplace yeah to get people moving and everything else and and, and so yeah time will tell i mean there's some there's some things out there that that could derail that you know one way or the other the delta variant the new resurgence that you know things like sure. that. there's other things geopolitical things that could happen that, that could affect that but um yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, we're, we're getting into back to school week, you know, was this week. Right. And so people are getting back to school. And so the past several weeks, I always call in my business, is kind of vacation time. Right. Most people are taking vacation and a summer yep. getting stuff done before back to school. And so maybe that's it a little bit too is now they're kind of back and they're getting into the new routine they're like okay now all that's behind us now let's put our house on the market
0: could very well be that you know i think there's no question we're going to see more inventory as we close the year and i think it's much needed at least in tampa bay um we'll see if it if if it's not just tampa bay if it's nationally more sellers choosing but i know i'm seeing that with my business in tampa bay i mean the last few weeks we've been uh breaking um you know we've been hitting peak market numbers when inventory was a lot higher so I feel like, uh, you know, we're, we're going to see a a surge of, um, you know, an increase in inventory, nothing. Now I want to preface this. When I say an increase in inventory, we're at 0.7 months right now. Uh, so, I mean, we're at the lowest level of inventory, which is the most substantial sellers market I have ever seen. Um, even if we doubled inventory, We'd be at 1.5 months of inventory, which is still a crazy seller's market. So don't think that this is going to shift into a balanced or a buyer's market. We're not seeing that much inventory. But I do think we're going to see an uptick in the number of homes available for sale. So um, you know what we're going to talk about next? It's interesting because you know, you have this uh, you know, eviction moratorium and a trend towards more people traveling to Florida – and more people wanting to get into the rental property business at a time when, unfortunately, it's very risky. So what does that mean? It means you see more Airbnb opportunities and you see bidding wars erupting. You know, it's it's not just on the home buying side. You know, it, it really isn't. I think people think, oh, well, it's, you know, the rental market, you know, I'm going to, you know, when we've heard buyers say, oh, I'm getting frustrated, I'm just going to go rent. Well, you're going to be just as frustrated. Right. It's going to be just as challenging. There's bidding wars for rentals. You you know, people paying a year in advance, people paying more than market rent people. I mean, everything you could imagine, the same things that are happening in the sales market are happening in the rental market. So if you're a home buyer and you say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to jump off the fence and start renting because it's so hard to buy. Uh, guess what? Just as hard to do that too. Right. It's, it is that it is super competitive right now on the real market.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you do the, the, Interesting thing I say is people are overpaying on that. I mean, it's, it's, you know, for the rents too, and it's gone up astronomical and you're right. A lot of people get frustrated and say, I'm going to go back and rent. And then they start looking at rental prices and the renting rates. And then they turn right back around and they say, you know, Hey, no, I'm back into purchasing because it makes more sense. We're seeing a lot of that.
0: Yeah. And I think again, because I believe that they, um, you know, I believe that a lot of renters think, um, that that you know or a lot of first-time home buyers or prospective home buyers think that oh well it's just going to be so much easier to rent so i'm just going to do that and in reality you're paying more money per month in most instances and you're going to have the same obstacles you're going to get told no a lot you're going to get outbid you're going to have properties go off the market too fast so again it's just uh, there's a lot of misconceptions about the differences between the rental and the sales market and in the area of inventory shortage and bidding wars they're on a comparable level so as a home buyer don't get the belief that you're going to go to renting and it's going to be some sort of, you know, super easy, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, we're going to uh, continue this conversation. Uh, we're going to roll to our last segment after a quick break here on the Duncan duo show. So we're back here on the Duncan duo show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market, Andrew Duncan, the Duncan duo with Mike Oregon cross country mortgage and Mike renovation mortgages are something not a lot of people realize can, can occur. They don't realize they can make improvements to a property and lump it into the mortgage to uh, reduce out-of-pocket costs, capital, expenses. Uh, sometimes there's additional costs or fees associated. Sometimes that should sure. change the industry. But for people that are uh, conscientious about not wanting to spend money or that get a good enough deal below market or otherwise below appraisal, I guess you could say, there there are situations where people can say, you know what, I want to upgrade the captains or I want to put on a new roof or I want to put on new AC. And they can actually do a renovation loan through Freddie Mac. That's a lower cost renovation mortgage that allows them to reduce their out of pocket costs, but still make sure those those improvements are made.
1: Yeah, and one of the you know one of the great things that's out there. It used to always be it was called a two hundred three K loan, which was an FHA project, you know, program yep. that you can do, and it was only for so FHA two hundred three K, and that's still out there. And there's two types of those. you can do, but that's only for owner-occupied. And you know, uh, um, several years ago now, on a conventional loan, both Fannie and Freddie also offer it for a second home or investment home as well. So some investors can take advantage of it as well to be able to do so. But where this really comes in for a lot of people, and we see them take advantage of this, is um, you know, let's say the roof is just in terrible shape, and the seller doesn't have the funds to replace it. You know, the lender may not, the mortgage company. It, because of the inspection, isn't going to allow lending to be done on that because there's a you know hole in the roof or the thing's going to fall apart. You know what right. I mean? And so there's no they can't get and The people don't have cash to buy it. So they're able to use a right. renovation loan um, to be able to do some of those major things, still be able to get in the home, get the work done. Um and and have it all lumped in, and so that's that's a great opportunity for people to take advantage of that.
0: And there's, you know, another program that not a lot of people are aware of. That's a little bit you more challenging too. Or you know, you can do escrow holdbacks as well in some cases, and 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 those are just as valuable of a type of uh, situation. Again, depending on the numbers, the key right. here is working. You know, I, I have to tell you, and this is this kind of goes to you guys. Um, you know, like you know, propping up you guys when you're talking to one of these 1-800 companies online that you know you're talking to some guy that you know in a different part of the country or the world on an 800 number um if he was really good at mortgages he, he th- th- that would not be what he's doing number 1 number 2 a local lender you know we're talking about a mortgage loan officer that's a professional they're in the trenches every day they're getting the education they're reviewing the programs they're figuring out all these different steps and hoops to jump through to help you get a mortgage there's so many different programs available and and you know they You know, you guys, for example, as an entity, even if one of your loan officers isn't right for a certain program, they know someone in the company that is really good at a program and escrow holdbacks allow you basically to say, okay, this house needs X amount of dollars of this to be done and have the money held out of purchase and paid to the contractor after closing. And again, they're complicated, um, but, but they're not as complicated as people think, depending on where the numbers lie
1: yeah they, and those we we see a lot of that happen quite often and a lot of times the seller's willing to you know make that maybe the repair or whatever else that needs to be done but they don't have the funds to do it but they'll have it as soon as the house sells
0: and right so the
1: title company and this is where ask holdback comes in most of the time so we're we're required we go out and we get two bids by licensed contractors for whatever the work may be on um, that we're going to do it and they're going to hold back one and a half times of whatever the repair is so say it's you know, $3,000, they're going to hold back $4,500 from it, from the closing, from the seller. Then once the work gets completed after closing and say it only costs the $3,000, then the the one and a half times, it's not like they lose that money the seller, it would get refunded to the seller. But it can be done then after the closing and everybody ends up happy. And that's an option and a way to get something done. And you're right. Having somebody that's an expert and knows how to do these types of things, and you can't do them in every situation. There's certain health and safety risk or if it's a structure problem that we're probably not going to be able to do something like that. But most of the time, that's not what it is. It's small little things that, that you know, just for one reason or another can't be done prior to closing. And so having an expert, a mortgage loan officer that knows how to do it, um, knows how to, like you said, if we even if I'm not the expert of it, but can refer you over to our team that is the expert for it to get it done is really key.
0: Yeah. And I think, again, the the idea is working with a loan officer that has access to programs that allow you to still buy a home that needs repairs, but maybe not come out of pocket for them and, right. you know, and, and allow those repairs to be covered post-closing or to finance them in. And, and, and those are those are there's a whole slew of creative programs that are great for buyers that want to buy a fixer upper uh, that want some sweat equity. Or that want to uh, be competitive, because let's face it, the market's super competitive. Buyers that say, I want the, you know, move in ready, perfect conditioned, everything I ever wanted under the sun home. uh, There's a lot of people that want that. So sometimes you have to look for those diamonds in the rough. And then, you know, the strategy is spending a few months getting it to where it's not a diamond in the rough anymore. It's just a diamond.
1: Yes, absolutely. And the one thing I would say to this is, if this is a program that you are thinking about, or you would like to explore it, a lot of times people call us and they say, well, you know, I'm really good. I'm really handy. I can do all the work myself. And that doesn't work with these programs. You have to have a licensed contractor. It can't be the buyer and everything else, because we get a lot of people that ask that question. So I thought I would mention it, because in these cases where you do renovation loans, you do have to have um you know a licensed contractor work it. Now an escrow hold back that's a little bit of a different situation that we just need to see that the work's been done and we get an, uh, an inspection to sign off on it. But uh if you're doing a renovation loan it needs to be done by a licensed contractor and you as the buyer can't do the work yourself even if you're you're capable of doing so.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, anyway, we appreciate you tuning in here to the Duncan Duo show. We're here every Sunday and again when we aren't on air, make sure to follow all of our socials. We are at the Duncan Duo Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and uh, have an awesome rest of your Sunday, Tampa Bay.